88 not out. Sponsored by Shepherd Mean. Proud supporters of cricket in Essex. Ah, uh, good evening everyone on a Thursday. Hello, hello, hello. Time of the week again. Hello, Darren, how are you? Madame, Monsieur, bienvenue sur Phoenix FM 98 FM ce soir. Nous avons le président de la Porte Club de Cricket, Monsieur Dimitri. Bienvenue, Monsieur Dimitri. Hi, how are you doing, Darren? How are you doing, Brent? I'm good. I've no idea what that <laughs> just said, but he was welcoming. Was that you, all right? Welcome you in French, yeah. Uh, yeah, most of it was all right, to be honest. A uh, <laughs> little bit of work on the accent, I reckon, but uh, otherwise that's, that was pretty good. If he went into a shop, he's walking out of a bacon and jam sandwich. <laughs> It's not bad. Uh, so local radio for Brentwood and Billericay areas if you're listening live on 98FM here in Phoenix and of course via the interweb as well and you'll be able to download us if you've missed us and we'll put our links up on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram if you're not following us already 98 Not Out give us a little follow Darren what we've got on today well on today's show as I'm sure many of you are well aware if you've been following us on social media and if you've been listening to Phoenix FM over the last couple of days we have got an interview tonight with Lord Geoffrey Archer Who's going to be? It's, we recorded it last night, and it is a real cracking interview. So it's very, very entertaining, and we got him to talk about all kinds of things, including a strange passion for cheddar cheese. Ah. So we've got that coming up a bit later on. We've got a roundup of the county scene. We're going to chat about England and what departing coach Trevor Bayliss has said. And by my uh, dodgy French introduction, we have got a very unique studio guest with us. We've got the president of Herongate and Ingrave Cricket Club, Dimitri Leclerc. Yeah, pretty much. It's Leclerc, but like, Le uh, I'll I give you okay. that. Like, uh, most of English people can't say my name properly, so... <laughs> I was not even going to try <laughs> someone else did. Do you know what I thought earlier? I must ask how we say this, and I've completely forgotten. But anyway, <laughs> Dimitri Leclerc is with us. To be fair, having, like, doing the pronunciations at the county ground, I too often go up to players who I'm not too sure on how they're going to pronounce their name and get it correct, because I, I have been told off by people's parents for not getting their name Is that like Don Topley's tender shard? Don, Don likes the, 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 the sort of that version of it, but there are there's been one or two. Uh, Anarin Donald was uh, one his dad told me off for uh -oh. not quite getting that right. It was quite amusing. Um, but yeah, there, there, there's one or two that's gone wrong in my time, it must be said. <laughs> but listen, there's only one place we can start this week, Essex, isn't there? Essex, Essex, Essex. Essex. Uh, what, a, what a week in the county championship. I mean, considering Trevor Bailey's and uh, what he said about it, I mean, the county championship this season has been um, it's been a bit mad. Uh, the leaders, Somerset, they visited Hampshire, and bearing in mind Monday was a really, really grey day. It was horrible. Uh, it was surprising to see that a, top, a toss took place. It was more surprising when Hampshire won the toss and they chose the bat. Uh, it didn't look like a batting day at all. And at 88 for seven, uh, it really didn't look like a batting day at all. And uh, Somerset looked well on their way to an easy win. But, uh, enter the S Essex loaner. You can take the boy out of Essex, but not Essex out of the boy. Liam Dawson, who made 103. Uh, and Kenny Barker, 40. They helped Hampshire to 196 on their first innings. Somerset finished day one on 23 for two. And, you know, looked pretty good, I would say. Somerset would have been happy with that day. Uh, the second day, just crazy, crazy cricket. Somerset collapsed the 65 for 8 uh, before making 142 all out. Carl Abbott taking 9 for 40. Uh, and then they reduced Hampshire to 45 for 6, then 103 for 8. But James Vince with 142 meant some, uh, Hampshire set Somerset imposing 283 for victory on day three. Somerset, they were off to a fire. This was the mad bit, wasn't 86 it? 86 for 0 off of about 12 overs. My cousin, Ben, um, 
was texting me, this is all over, Somerset are going to do this by tea and yada, yada, yada. Um, and then about 15 minutes later, they'd absolutely fallen apart. Incredible. Carl um, with the second spell, 8 for 46, and the Hampshire went on to win by 136 runs. I think they lost six wickets for eight runs or something in that spell. Um, Carl Abbott returned match figures of 17 for 86. They are the best first-class figures since Jim Laker's 19-wicket haul. Hampshire's best figures ever and the fourth-best county championship figures of all time. And the cherry on the cake, did you see Carl Abbott's Twitter feed? last night. I, I saw bits and bobs. He's getting a lot of love. I know Sam Cook just sent him a big red heart. And <laughs> yeah. Lots of Thank you. Yeah. And he said you're welcome. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, it, what, what you say, you, in a sense, I do feel sorry for Sunset because you, you can't, you know, you go into the sort of penultimate game, you're in the box seat and you come up to a performance in 40 years of, you know, not, not just one, but, you know, the, the innings from, listen to a bit of the commentary, the innings from Liam Dawson and James Vince, both of them, it was sounded like a very, very tricky wicket. Just incredible to have three people putting outstanding performances like that in the one game that really matters. And as you say, at 86 for naught, chasing 283. They looked in the box seat again. Yeah. Craig, that's about. cricket. So Essex, who um, their game was a delayed start, wasn't it? Yeah, due to bad weather and light, and it, it was a bit, it was a bit grim and uh, it's horrible. Monday I morning. thought, God, you know, um, it, it's really autumnal, and, and it wasn't warm either. It was, it was grim. Um, but Surrey chose to bat on what like, looked like a bowling day, so another contentious um, decision there. But they batted pretty decently against some excellent Essex bowling and finished the day. On 137 for four, which Got is not bad given the time they lost. I need to say congratulations to Essex and Opta here because quite a few of the counties now do it. They do have a live feed that coincides with the BBC's commentary. Um, and yeah, I was watching it a lot of the day, and you know, fair play to uh, Surrey on day one. They, they re really did bat well. Mm. Um, there was a lot of talk as well about the conditions, if they were really were that dark, and um, you know, with the modern day thing of floodlights and all the rest of it. but. I mean, it was horrible, wasn't it? it was so well done then for getting going. Yeah. So anyway, end of day one, um, 137 for four. Day two, the sun came out and it was a completely different um, weather conditions. Surrey moved on steadily to um, 154 before, 152 before Jamie Porter and Sam Cook got involved. They both took five wickets apiece in that innings. Um, the last six Surrey wickets fell for 22, so they scraped in the end to 174 all out. From that position, to, for Essex to come back from that would, you know, would have been a dream come true. They, they, they'd probably looking down the gun of they thought 250, 300 would be good. You've got to have a dream, because if you don't have a dream, yeah, you know, how's that dream going to come true? Yeah. So Essex would have been G'd up um, having seen that Somerset score, and they would have thought that they could get maximum batting points, I suppose, um, to put pressure on, but. Hundreds, excellent hundreds from Dan Lawrence. Really well timed from Dan. Well done, Dan. Um, 147 for him. Uh, and then Tendo with his usual strong, solid he, batting. He really got the innings moving, Tendo. He, he came in, he was going at a, sort of just, just under a runner ball. He really gave the innings some impetus when, you know, 400 looked well out of reach. And he really did get things moving and got Dan moving as well. Yeah, and he's, he's he, what you know, I mean, he's done that more than a few times now where we've been sort of under pressure, teetering a little bit. He comes in um, and he just kind of grabs the steering wheel. So he ended up with 103. Um, and we were well on the way to maximum batting points, but um, 
Sam Cook. Uh, I think they, they quite fancied Amar uh, Verdi's bowling. Well, they had to they had to get the the runs in the last over. They were in the the last over, possibly getting the hundred and tenth over. So they yeah. had to go for it. So Simon Harmer finished with fifty not out. Um, Sam Cook was caught as Essex were pushing for that other batting point, hundred and tenth over. So. Second time round, Surrey knew they'd have to face the man who'd been bowling sides out for fun, um, particularly second time round at Essex, and uh, Mr Harmer didn't disappoint, taking uh, this time 7 for 58 of just 34.2 overs, and Essex won in the end by an amazing innings and 40 runs. So, that means going into the final game at Taunton next week, um, the game starts on Monday, Essex have got a 12-point lead over Somerset, Unfortunately or fortunately, depending on your view, the weather looks absolutely awful next week. Uh, well, yeah, it doesn't look good at all, does it? Um, it does, looks like... I mean, the pity is we want to see the game decided on the pitch rather than the weather, but, you know, as Six fans, <laughs> maybe we don't, but, you know... I, I Let's have sun on Saturday. Uh, yeah, Saturday looks good for finals day, doesn't it? It looks a really, really, really nice day. day. 25 degrees, I think it's going to be. It does look nice indeed, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, but, you know, you, you can't... I don't know, I mean, you, you'd rather win it. I think if you said to the players, what would you rather do? They, they'd turn around and say, we'd rather win it on the pitch. They'd rather, you know, they'd rather show people that they are the best team and they can go anywhere and win. Um, I don't think any of the players would say, oh, yeah, we want to win it because of the weather. I mean, I suppose they, yeah, of course they'll take it. But And also, given how strong Somerset have been this year, I mean, both sides won nine games. It's... it's, it's yeah. Really tight, and, I mean, and you'd Essex like to won, win it by beating them. Essex have won all of theirs at home, which you know, you know that that's been uh, that's been quite telling. Um, Simon Harmer's figures this year, I've got to go through them. He's bowled five hundred and sixty-eight overs, a hundred and seventy maidens. Um, he's gone for fourteen hundred and thirteen runs, seventy-eight wickets at an average of eighteen point one two, economy rate of two point four eight. Uh, best figures are eight for 98, nine five wicket hauls, and two ten wicket hauls. Fantastic, uh, isn't it? He's the only person with two, I believe. Uh, he's leading the way on five uh, five wicket hauls as well. Uh, obviously, he's leading the way on wickets. In fairness, I think next up is Carl Abbott with 68 wickets. Carl Abbott's also had a really good season, to be fair. Yeah. Average of uh, 15.71. 3.06. Obviously, these these figures were boosted somewhat by <laughs> by, by the numbers there. Um, <laughs> Lewis Gregory at Somerset's had a really good season, 51 at an average of um, 15.49, good economy rate as well. Um, but yeah, that, that they are, that they seem to be, you know, Simon Harm is just, what, 10 wickets ahead of everyone else. He's going to be the yeah. leading wicket taker by a long way. Um, again, he's had another exceptional season. Jamie Porter, 48 wickets for the season. I was just going to say that the all-round... Essex's attack this year um, has been brilliant. It's not just been a case of someone leading the charge. The, the support cast has been fantastic. When you look at it, Peter Siddle, 34 wickets. Um, Sam Cook, 28 wickets. Aaron Beard, 17 wickets. Um, Jamie Porter's probably the lowest of Essex's main four holders. <laughs> uh, 48 wickets, an average of 24.81. Um, Sam Cook and Aaron Beard, you know, averages below that. It, it shows you just what a strong side Essex have been. Mm, yeah, and uh, if, as we hope, all of us hope that they go on and win the championship next week, it's very, very well deserved. And two times in three years, that's a fantastic achievement. Very good indeed. Considering where we've been as well as a, a the last five years, you know, sort of nowhere really. A bit of yo-yo once or twice, but you know, fair play to Ronnie Irani when he when he came in and took over. He had a vision. He wanted to make. 
Essex made some big calls. Cricket. Yeah, he made some big calls and continues to do so. Yeah. And continues to do so. And, you know, they're proving to be right. And, I mean, you know, you look at the other side of it, we're in the T20 finals now, Saturday as well. <laughs> I mean, you know... Remind me how that happened again. I, I, well, I remember sitting here on the, the, the Thursday... <laughs> that's it, we're out. We've had it. We need about 15 results to go in. Was that, that was sorry as well, wasn't it? <laughs> it was just crazy. That yeah, night, yeah. Sorry at the Oval that night. Um... We, we won the last four games, or no, we, we drew we won, drew one, didn't we? Tied one, one three, all the other, every other result that had to Crazy. go in our favour went in Essex's favour. We got through, and obviously Lancashire, the quarterfinal, it got moved um, up to Durham, and again, no one gave us a chance, and even with three overs to go, we looked like we were out of it. Uh, back we came, and... Uh, here we are on finals day. <laughs> who knows? It's and just, who and knows? we've got a, the afternoon game, which Never is had great. the afternoon game before. And Derbyshire. I mean, listen, you know, you would perceive Essex and Derbyshire as the weaker two teams out the four teams that are in it. Um, but that means nothing. <laughs> it, it means, it, it, on the day, anything can exactly, happen. Exactly, exactly. And finals day does have quite a solid record of, uh, of chucking up surprises, doesn't it? It should be a great finals day. I mean, the four decent teams, you know, the, the, the um, um, Knox and Worcestershire game should be an absolute... Both batting mm. attacks could... That could easily finish 240 apiece. Yeah. And 80 all out apiece as well. You never know, do you? That's the great thing. Right, let's get some music on. And uh, what do we do now? Have we got a bit of an interview after that? We so, have, oh. we have. I've been watching you a la 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 long, a la 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 long, 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 come on. A la 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 long, a la 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 long, 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 hey. Standing across the room, I saw you smile. I said I wanna talk to you for a little while. But before I make my move, my emotion starts running wild.
Of cricket in Essex. Picking the tunes there again, Darren, aren't you? That's a, ha- that's a happy, catchy song, isn't it? I bet there are a few knees tapping and, uh, or fit tapping and knees jerking or whatever. I don't it, know. It was, you know, it's that kind of end of summery feel. Yeah, it? yeah. And why out. not? It's been lovely. It's been lovely. So. enjoy it. It's going to rain next week, hopefully. <laughs> oh, yeah. Exactly. Our favourite phrase, winter is coming. Winter is coming, indeed. <laughs> well, the rain's coming next week. The rain's coming. I don't mind, you know, if it rains next week the whole week, I don't mind. And then maybe a couple of weeks after that, we'll have some more nice weather again. That would be lovely. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah, get, get us ready for the, the, the end of the county championship next year when we finish on the 30th of September or something <laughs> silly like that. God, I can't even think about that just yet. But Playing in October soon. <sighs> so come on then. It's about time we brought on our, our very special... Our dish. main event. So... <laughs> If you don't ask, you don't get in this game, as we try and do every every week when we're thinking of what, who to invite on. And we did exactly that this week. We asked Jeffrey Archer. He said yes. So the timing of this is really good because Jeffrey's known, or Lord Archer, is known for a whole host of things. Yes, there's some obvious things, but he's an absolutely absorbing character and what is the best for us in terms of timing and in terms of cricket is he's a massive Somerset fan. On the line joining us now we have, uh, I'm very pleased to say, Geoffrey Archer. Geoffrey, it's an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you very much, Anna. Thank you. Um, having led such a wonderful, eventful life and achieved so much in the world of politics and literature, um, being such a prolific writer, which we'll talk about in a minute, but I'm amazed you never quite captained the England cricket team in all No, this. pathetic. I wanted to be captain of the England cricket team. It was a, a major problem that I couldn't bat, bowl or field. Uh, and when they picked someone else called Jofra Archer, I really was very hurt indeed. Uh, this clearly was. Uh, 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 one can uh, describe it as nothing more than an oversight. I mean, they clearly got the wrong man. Predictive text. Sorry? Was it predictive text, do you well, think? Well, I, I suppose so. I mean, frankly, uh, millions have been waiting for me to captain the England cricket team. <laughs> uh, now, our listeners might not be aware of your love and deep interest in the game, but where did you all get your love from cricket from? I began at the beginning in Clarence Park, Western Supermare, supporting Somerset when they were bottom of the county cricket table seven years in a row, and Surrey were top seven years in a row and I swore I would live long enough to see Somerset win the county championship and this year they are second but Essex are top and the two teams meet in Taunton next week and that will decide if Somerset 
for the first time in their history, <laughs> win the county championship. They've been second five times. It'll be if Essex win it. It'll be their eighth time. Uh, oh but it's, uh, God! It's oh, thank you very much. <laughs> I thought you said this was a friendly, warm, understanding show to chat about cricket. What do you mean eight <laughs> times? I, uh, that's eight times since 1979 as well. Oh my God! <laughs> we are going to beat them down in Taunton. <laughs> well, hopefully um, you, you might, but I think the weather might be beating everyone, unfortunately. It doesn't look great for next week, does it? I will check weather in Tanton this morning, and you're quite right. It showed me a cloud with blue lines running through it, which I did not consider hopeful. Well, uh, uh, us Essex fans might, but, you know, hopefully... You were an Essex fan. You were. <laughs> what are you doing on my show? <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully it'll get decided on the pitch rather than... Uh, I agree with by, you. By the uh, wouldn't it be nice if we had a proper four-day match and we had a genuine result and your load of people could return to Essex in number two place, which they well deserve? Well, hopefully not, but we'll see. So who are your cricketing heroes? Over the years... One will shock you, and I'll come to him last. Obviously, Viv Richards and Ian Botham yeah. from Somerset. They are two of my complete heroes. I'm a huge admirer of Alistair Cook. I think he's uh, what English cricket should be. But it, um, it might just surprise you, and I'll get you to guess. It might just surprise you. A cricketer from South Africa, an all-rounder, who never seems to get the praise he deserves. Jacques Carlis. Mm? Jack Carlis? Yes, in one. Mm. I think if yeah. you look at his record as a bowler, 297 test wickets, and you look at his record as a batsman, the seventh most successful test cricketer in history, I do not understand why he isn't up there with the pantheon of greats. He certainly is for me. It's a good point. We, we had a, a listener's poll a few weeks back to... Um, we were creating a bar empty as 11, and in our search for all-rounders, Jack Cullis was there um, in the selection. We put him forward with... Um, well, presumably Garfield Sobers. Yes. Ian um, Botham. Exactly. Uh, for oldies like myself, <laughs> Keith Miller. Keith Miller didn't make it, but... Um, I think we had four. I'm just trying Mr. to... Mr. Flintoff, I think, oh, was I think, in there. Yeah, Andrew Flintoff. Oh, uh, and Andrew, of course. He's a wonderful all-rounder. And, and, and what what's so wonderful about Andrew is he, he'd give you every single inch he'd got. I mean, he'd die on the pitch for you quite happily. He nearly if did. that man had gone into a battle, he'd have won a Victoria Cross. He did seem to look like one of uh, Richard, III, uh, Richard II's crusaders, didn't he? Yes, always. <laughs> and I did a charity auction for him for Manchester Children's Hospital. And he's a giver, that man. I, I really admire him. You do a lot of auctioneering for, um, I mean, this is the thing, you know, in, in, you know, I've known you for a little while now and I've been present at some of these things. You're a very, very good uh, auctioneer at these charity events and you do so much to raise money. Well, I love it, to be honest. I've been at it for 30 years and raised 54 million for different charities. And of course, the cricket ones I, I love most. When a great cricketer retires and has a, a, a function and I do the auction, or uh, do the England team, whatever it might be. It's thrilling for me because I meet my heroes and at the same time for the charity they're involved with, uh, do something worthwhile. Well, we did one, that famous one, in the last Home Ashes series in 2015 where on the night um, we were only expecting Alistair Cook and Joe Root and maybe one or two others to turn up, but they just uh, retained the Ashes at... Um, Edgbaston three days before and as I'm sure you remember the whole team arrived on stage yes it was amazing 
<laughs> and, and I sold, I auctioned the privilege of sitting in the captain's seat and pretending you were captain of England. And as a man who has pretended he's captain of England for many years, uh, I was the first in the seat. Of course. Why not? What an opportunity. <laughs> so if you was to uh, be writing a book about the uh, English World Cup this year, how would you uh, convince people it wasn't actually fiction and it was fact and it did actually happen? Well, you're quite right. It was one of the spectacular matches of all time, but I have a quarrel with it. Two quarrels. One, I think when the two teams had done 15 runs each on the final over, it should not have been decided on fours and sixes. We should have taken the next three gladiators and put them out on the pitch and had a second final over with the new three gladiators, which I think would have been a fairer way of getting a result. But I put this to uh, Andrew Strauss at Lord's when I saw him, and he said, frankly, Jeffrey, uh, when this was decided, no one ever thought it would reach that stage, <laughs> and I accept that. And I am bound to say, well, I've got you two on the line. What a magnificent way the captain of New Zealand and his team behaved yeah. in what much must have been for them a traumatic time because that freak extra four runs that uh, came off Stokes' bat, uh, they'll live with that the rest of their life. But they could not have behaved in a more gentlemanly manner. In fact, I think Williamson and McCullum are two of the finest gentleman captains I've met or seen in my lifetime. I think New Zealand generally have a history of being very, very good sports yes, in whatever indeed. sport they play. Yes, indeed. Mike Gatting told us that New Zealand was the, the best place where he'd um, had uh, enjoyed cricketing teas. Um, really? I'm yeah. not... Yes, that's very interesting because uh, they could not have... They, uh, I mean, I think the British people warmed to them in a big way. Mm. Now, talking to Ashes in this summer, um, on Sunday evening, um, Sky Sports bid farewell to Mr. Botham and Mr. Gower after 20 years um, commentary and analysis. Have you got any views on... Uh... Well, I, I, we live in a new world. I'm nearly 80. Uh, I think David Gower was among the most beautiful stroke players I've ever seen. I think Ian Botham was one of the most entertaining cricketers the game has ever known and if you're going to replace them I hope you can replace them with something of that quality, that knowledge and that experience because I have enjoyed 25 years of their expertise and will miss them both. They're big big shoes to fill aren't they and, I, and I'm sure um, over the years you personally would also have um, some quite interesting war stories regarding Mr. Bodum and Mr. Gower because I know they're... Uh... Well Ian, Ian in particular because he's a Somerset boy We've been friends for, hold your breath, we've been friends for 40 years, and he's proved to be, when I, for good times and bad with me, he's proved to be a very solid and good friend. And I love him nearly, and Kathy, and the family. Uh, they're very special to me. And yes, Stokes's uh, innings the other day was unbelievable, but it was a replication in its own way of Ian's remarkable innings against the Australians that won us the Ashes. That was that was an amazing oh, time. One of the great afternoons of my life. There was a good uh, dinner at Lord's um, in 2011. I'm sure you were there. 
um, where they got together that team from the Headingley Test. Indeed. And um, what a fantastic night that was, and, and everybody telling their various memories of, uh, of, of that night. And, and, and we mustn't forget that Willis was yeah. an equal hero because he came out the next day and removed the Australians, which was a staggering achievement. It actually, Ian quite rightly, because batsmen do have the tendency to get the sort of glory. But the truth is, it was Botham plus Willis yeah. that made that possible. Was it eight for 34 he took on that last day? Something like That's that. That's staggering. Yeah, and it was staggering. incredible. Absolutely incredible. And I think he's a good commentator too. He's, he's what I call a grey... Uh, Saturn type yeah. person, but you sure get what he believes and you sure get it from a great deal of experience. I think we'll have to invite him on because he's uh, he's he's um, very, very interesting and very... Uh, very always. Very, always. Uh, I keep the television on when I see him there because I know he'll give it to me straight on the nose. Now, Geoffrey, our approach on this show in inviting guests to come and chat with us is a case of Nothing Ventured, uh -huh. which happens to be the title of a book that I was reading the other day, um, which I read start to finish in a day and a half. Good heavens. And looking back at the cover, I noticed that the author was a certain Geoffrey Archer, to my amazement. Um, I really enjoyed it. Um, if I may interrupt you and say what a pathetic worm you are, <laughs> it is clear from what you have just said that it's the first of my books that you've ever read. It is, that's true. I have to hold my hands up in, in, in disgrace. It is the first Jeffrey Archer book I've read, but, um, God, what a, what a Pandora's box of delight I've opened up because I'm uh, going to be going back to, uh, I think Cain and Abel is the one you suggested I should read next. Well, Cain and Abel is in its 40th year on its 123rd reprint and has been uh, sold 32 million 700,000 copies and been read by 100 million people. So if I could say very politely, you're a bit late. <laughs> I, I've got, I'm one of those 100 million that have read Cain and Abel. It's, one of, it's one of the books I read at school. Oh, I'm very touched. Thank you. God, I feel terrible now. I'm going to no, you're pathetic. You're basically pathetic. Can you tell us a bit about this new book and, and, um, and, and why people should be getting onto their bookshops and ordering a copy? Well, it's, it's uh, in the Clifton Chronicles, which was a series about Harry Clifton and his wife, Emma and Giles. He was a writer, Harry Clifton, and he wrote about a man called William Warwick, someone who wanted to join the police force, despite the fact that his father, an eminent QC, wanted him to go to Oxford and read law and then join him in chambers. But... He defies his fa father, joins the police force as a constable. And now you've read the book, you will know that the first episode, book one, is about his life on the beat and becoming a detective constable when he points out to the art and antiques department that they have a fake Rembrandt and not the real thing. And they bring him in on the team immediately. Book two, he will be a detective constable. Book three an inspector, and I hope to take him all the way through to Commissioner of the Metropolitan Police. But I have to live to the age of 86 <laughs> to achieve this, so I am very hopeful that it will happen, but he will make it because he's bright and able. It's just a matter of whether I will make it. <laughs> um, I, was, I was intrigued at the setting of the book, um, specifically... 
Um, we, we pick up events in 1979. Um, why did you decide on that exact... Well, I like to write through the era through which I've lived so that I can translate onto the page how I felt at the time. And, of course, I'm just come away from my desk writing and I have a situation where someone goes to a red telephone box yeah. and makes a phone call because of course mobile phones didn't exist and you had to find a red telephone box yeah. in order to make a phone call so I like to write through the era so that my younger readers say by me they were out of date poor things and of course we were and you've got the wrong area code for London. Oh, one, what's that? Yes, exactly. That <laughs> was the case in those days. Yeah. Then it changed to 0207, 0208. <laughs> and you have to get those things right. Otherwise, readers will write in, Dear Lord Archer, you don't know what you're talking about. On page 141, it should be. And they're very happy to tell you what it should be. <laughs> Well, we wish you really excellent luck with this, but I'm sure you won't need That's it. That's very be. kind. And, um, you know, we urge all of our listeners and uh, readers of our websites and Facebook and whatever else um, to make a point of, of getting a copy because it, it really is very good. Now, before we let you go, you've also got a very strong reputation as a connoisseur of good food and good wine. And one of the highlights on your London social calendar is your Shepherd's Pie and Krug evenings. Darren has put with love and invite in brackets. Yeah, my Greg, I can see where this is going. Yeah. He's, he, he's not hiding it very well, no, is I he? know, I'm not very good, am I? I'm not very good. Um, we ask all of the guests that we have, and I just mentioned it with Mike Gatting earlier on, um, particularly with the cricketers, we ask them about what their essential item is uh, on the tea time table and where in the world they've had the best tea. So in your experience of playing and attending and... Um, and hosting cricket matches, what is your quintessential cricket tea? Well, you have to be at Taunton for a start, my dear, <laughs> at the county ground, and you have to be there next week, and then we'll be having, we'll be having the usual things we do have down in Somerset. We'll have scones and cream and jam, and we'll let foreigners like you in for the day, <laughs> and then you'll know what the real thing is like. But the winner at the end of the day, my dear, is cheddar cheese. Oh. There is no equal on earth to cheddar cheese and a really good bread to go with it. That be the combination I adore. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, Lord Archer, it's been an absolute pleasure speaking to you here today. Uh, good luck with the new book and we'd like to thank you for joining us on 98 Not Out. Thank you very much indeed for having me. 98 Not Out, sponsored by Shepherd Neen, proud supporters of cricket in Essex. Let's go.
just amazing. <laughs> I can imagine Paul and Steve were absolutely panicking that I hadn't played the clean version there for a minute. <laughs> well, that's, what, that's 25 years old, though, record, is it? Yeah, it has, yeah, it must be. I must admit, it does... Every time I hear that, it reminds me of the times and places I've heard that and the kind of nonsense that's usually been going on. Um, people jumping around to that. It's a good party fun song, isn't it? Oh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And I'm sure we'll be hearing a bit more of that next week when Essex uh, celebrating winning a famous double. So come on then, introduce our guest again, and this time so most people can understand. <laughs> I'll give you the English version. So joining us tonight, um, in keeping with our involvement of local cricket clubs and local personalities, and this guy really is one of the big personalities of cricket. Um, it is the president, Monsieur le Président of Hutton and Ingrave Cricket Club, Dimitri Leclerc. Hi, uh, it's Herongate and uh, Ingrave. What did I say? Oh, you went for Hutton, uh, oh, which God, is sorry. like down the road. Uh, <laughs> what, I, what I particularly God, I like is Lord Archer laid into Darren and now you are. You, you originally laid <laughs> into him for not calling you the president <laughs> and now you can't even get the team name right. Just, just give Darren more stick. It's fine. Oh, yeah, that's uh, like, lots of real pleasure. <laughs> Especially after I worked out what the French for Herongate was as well. I do apologise. And to all you Herongate and Engravians yep. that are out there listening. So listen, what is a Frenchman with a Russian name doing as the president of Herongate and Engrave? How did that happen? Oh, long story short, um, I met my wife uh, back in France. Uh, she's British. Uh, we moved like she was playing professional volleyball in France. Oh. Uh, represented the Great Britain uh, team as well in uh, volleyball. And then uh, we moved back to, um, to England. Um, and I started working in London uh, and I wanted to get 
into the British uh, spirit, really. And um, it was April time. Uh, as you know, in cricket, April time means like IPL. So I was watching a bit of IPL. I said, oh, that's, that's a good laugh uh, to, yeah. to watch. And um, she had a friend who was uh, playing at Herongate uh, Cricket Club. And he said, like, well, if you like watching it, come down, have a little bit of training, and uh, you see what you think. And um, I went there, uh, didn't train, uh, and I was playing the following weekend, uh, basically. And um, one thing after another, um, getting involved, like coaching the kids, uh, getting involved, uh, helping the first team out and everything. And uh, just like then our president uh, moved away and uh, there was an election and um, I think I was the only one to present myself. So that's why I'm now uh, <laughs> How president. How you fool you? <laughs> <laughs> now tell us about... Um, Herongate Cricket Club. I mean, it's a beautiful picture postcard. If anyone doesn't know, it's on the A128 between Brentwood and the 127. And next to the BP garage. Next to the BP garage. And um, very, very close to the road. So, <laughs> uh, very close to the road. It's also the smallest cricket ground uh, in Essex Is as it? well. Uh, yes. Uh, even, and I, even I at six there. <laughs> <laughs> and um, basically, yes, like we're really close to the road. Uh, if what, are, what, are the, what happens then? So, what if, um, uh, if you hit a six and there's a car driving past, um, you just pray for the ball not to hit the car, basically. Otherwise, uh, you know, you're going to be on the phone with the insurance. Uh, and you're surrounded by houses as well. We're surrounded by houses. Um, so, the cricket club has been there since uh, 1850. So, uh, next year we have the 170th anniversary of the club. Uh, so, the houses were not there when the club yeah. was there. Um, not the, the road, really. I guess exactly. if you're buying a house, though, you've got to accept that... Um, Exactly. If you buy a house around uh, around the ground, uh, you know that um, it's a cricket ground. You're only allowed to do two things there, which is uh, grazing sheep and playing cricket. <laughs> uh, when you're coaching the kids, sometimes you feel like you're doing both at the same time. Uh, but uh, it's always a good laugh, always a good laugh. And we have um, several cult team uh, from uh, quick cricket. Uh, we had about 30 kids this year playing quick cricket. Uh, so they under seven years old. Uh, I think the youngest was about uh, three this oh, year. Wow. So okay. they're just about to walk. Right. Uh, Get them young. Yeah. That's good. And then we have like uh, under 11 team uh, who's been performing um, well this year. They finished in the middle of the table uh, in the first division. So that's uh, pretty good uh, going. Uh, under 15, unfortunately this year we were missing a couple of like the under 13. So they had to go up to the under 15 mm -hmm. side. And then we have like a man team who's playing friendly um, because at the moment, yeah, like uh, it, it's uh, it, it's such a like a lovely atmosphere over there, and we love playing friendly cricket. We invite a lot of team around. It's a very uh, very social club. I love coming down there and watching you buy me a drink and uh, cooking me some. Yeah, sometimes it feels more. Yeah, sometimes it feels like we actually like a social like uh, a drinking team with a cricket problem. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I like that. <laughs> my my favourite uh, and we used to play our final game of the season when we were Thaden boys our final Sunday game of the season was always at Herongate and we always used to have to turn up in terrible attire with a terrible tie 
and uh, we quite often stay there and drown to attempting to drink your bar dry um, <laughs> and things like that. It's so a big refurb now, isn't it? It's quite I, nice. I learned very quickly to bowl from the road end because that time of year the sun sets perfectly at the bowler's eye. <laughs> <arm. laughs> Brilliant. No one could see a thing. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's true. Like when you when you bowl down, uh, it's really difficult for the batsman to uh, see the ball coming. Uh, <laughs> but when they see it, uh, if they can connect uh, with the ball, uh, you know that the ball is going onto the road as well. So <laughs> that's, uh, I do remember one year a very irate driver getting out there. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a request here on a scrunched up twenty pound note. Um, saying, make sure you ask about the dad's team from a certain uh, Rob Jupp. Uh, yeah, so... Uh, <laughs> uh, we, there we you go, Rob, year, I did it. Yeah, every year we have, uh, we organise a, a beer festival. This year was like the, the 10th year we've been organising it. Uh, and on the Saturday afternoon, we play uh, Dads versus Lads. Uh, and for the last three years, um, basically the dad's been winning by a massive margin uh, every year uh, because it, it's not a friendly game on that day it's like uh -huh. uh, you know like uh, if the kids win the dad's gonna hear about it for the next 20 years so <laughs> they can't let that happen um so rob is uh, the, the captain of that uh, dad side uh, and he's doing really well and he's uh elder son uh, James is the captain of the the, the boys oh, right. uh, okay. so he's quite friendly uh but tough environment uh, for, for the game, really. Now, just moving sort of away from Herongate, moving away from England, tell us about um, cricket in France. So, cricket in France is improving massively at the moment. Uh, there's uh, several clubs around the country. Um, we have two, like, we have national sides as well. Uh, so, men national sides who are not doing so great, but uh, they're improving every year. Um, we have a lady, uh, lady side uh, who's been doing really well this summer. They won uh, a European tournament. Uh, I believe it was like Austria, um, Jersey, Guernsey playing uh, in that tournament as well. Uh, and um, the captain of uh, the ladies team is coming from the same region as me. Uh. So we're both coming from Brittany. Uh, so a strong tie with uh, with England, uh, and I think that's why we both love uh, our cricket. Really, <laughs> it's true. I lived in France. Um, in fact, like you, I met my wife in France. She's uh, English, uh, and we met in an English pub in Paris um, twenty years ago. Um, and it's true, there was a big expat. I, I didn't expect that at all when I moved out there. Um, and there's a huge expat community out there, and there's a big scene in rugby, of course, but rugby's big in France. But cricket, um, I was quite surprised. In fact, the pubs that we used to drink in, there was a pub called The Cricketer, there the sister pub called The Bowler, there was another one called The Long Hop. Um, and it was clear, even from the Frenchies that were coming into the pub, that they knew about cricket and they were interested. And it's, it's interesting to hear now that 20 years on, it's really starting to become a big thing. Yeah, I think um, cricket is uh, is worldwide now. Uh, I mean, when you have like uh, the Ashes series, like uh, followed by like millions of people and even probably billions because like most of the Indians are yeah. watching it. So uh, that's already about a billion of people there watching it. Uh, so if you look at the numbers, it's probably as many people watching the Ashes uh, or the World Cup final in cricket uh, in one day as people watching the football uh, World Cup as well. So. I remember watching the 99 Cricket World Cup in, in the bowler, and it was, at, you couldn't physically get into the, play, into the building because from God knows where, 
all these Sri Lankans and Indians and Pakistanis had appeared and filled the place up. It was a bit annoying for the bloke behind the bar, though, because they're not big drinkers, those boys, <laughs> are they? <laughs> you need to be drinking. <laughs> hey, moving on to the Ashes actually moves us on nicely because uh, the, the, the international summer's now finished. England obviously winning the World Cup, great it's achievement. It's been a long summer. been a very England. long summer. Ashes finished 2-2 and, you know, if I want to tell you Australia was so much better than England and we talked about it last week, Steve Smith was so much better than yeah, England. Yeah, I, I think besides there wasn't much in it, takes no. me, Steve Smith out of the equation. And, you know, you could argue England were probably having the better of the game at Lords as well, so who knows. If Jimmy um, had been fit. It's the end of a cycle though, because Trevor Bayliss, the England coach, has stepped down. He gave a really um, interesting interview with uh, ESPN Cricket Info and I think George DeBell on that one. George is a brilliant cricket writer, by the way. Um, so I'm just going to sum up a few of his things. Uh, but he, had, he made a bit of a sort of few scathing comments around the county championship. He thinks there needs to be less teams. He thinks it needs to be played on better wickets to make it more competitive. Says the players coming through aren't good enough. Um, interesting, he also commented that he never saw a county game yeah. uh, or that he saw any of the players week. before they came into the squad um, and that he didn't coach the squad much, he left the coaching to other people, he felt he was more of a manager and um, and sort of played around with the team like that. It, it, if you get a chance to read it, it's on, um, it's a really, really good interview, yeah, um, it's fascinating insight to the way he's model of coaching, very much a less is more, takes the pressure off. Owen Morgan and everyone who's sort of, most of them who've played under him seem to be singing his praises. Um, you compare that to a, a sort of a Mickey Arthur approach, it, it, it's yeah. very, very different. But both of them, not to denigrate one or the other, both are very, very successful yeah. coaches right across the world. Would he be viewed as one of the best England coaches ever though, Bayliss? I mean, highs and lows, highs. Unbeaten in home test series, including beating Australia in 2015. One away at South Africa and Sri Lanka. Unbeaten in 11 bilateral one-day series from 2017 to 2019, including winning in Australia and whitewashing the Aussies over here. Uh, reached the 2016 T20 final and, of course, winning the World mm, Cup. Yeah. Yeah, that T20 final, people forget that one. Uh, and that should have won it. Uh, ben Stokes, you know, that was, on the, on the receiving end for a Carlos change. Carlos Brathwaite, wasn't it? Four, 22 four off the last over. Four sixes like on the trot. Um, you know, you, you can't legislate for that kind of thing sometimes, and it, it, it was what it was. Uh, Carlos Brathwaite was at it again in, uh, in the CPL the other night, uh, having an absolutely crazy game of cricket, <laughs> that was. Um, but the, the lows... Lost the Ashes in 2017-18 and obviously failed to regain them this summer. Lost the way Test Series to India, New Zealand and the West Indies. Mm -hmm. Lost that one-off one-day international v Scotland. Admittedly, OK, it was a bit of a half aside, but even mm. still. Uh, most damning one for me, though. Lost 10 wickets in a session four times in three years yeah, in a Test Match session. That speaks volumes for, you know, in a sense, he, he talked about his coaching or his lack of. You can't, if you're a top side, you can't be getting bowled out in a session four times yeah, for years. Yeah, exactly. A test, a test level, that is a concern. And I think it's it's a fairly open story and open discussion about our batting and um, who performs best. In, and and it, I think it's common consensus that we've got a lot of good players playing out of position. And, you know, we need to, we need maybe an injection of new blood, but we need people doing what they are good at. Does he have a point with the county game? Is there too many? I mean, I've heard this discussed before. I know Don, obviously, in the hundreds, is trying to do it a little bit. Is reducing the amount of cricket played going to be a good thing? I mean, 
the wickets, yeah, you can argue that sides produce wickets that suit them, but hasn't that happened historically? That's like saying you go to India and you're not going to get a spinning wicket. Well, yeah. you know, that's going to happen in international cricket as well. Um, I don't know, I mean... And don't forget the county, something, you know, to the county grounds when they're listening, and yes, you, Danny Rouse, um, they do have to prepare wickets in some quite challenging conditions, I mean, particularly at the start of the year. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's a, it's a tough one. You, you can argue, then, do we not play cricket until May time? They get better wickets, fewer games. That means the players are going to have to perform every single time they play. You, you do have people talk about the mundaneness of the county circuit. At times, there's a lot of meaningless cricket can be towards the end of the year, and you get a lot of journeyman pros. Would, would that make a difference? Hard one to know, but you, you can't see the 18 counties who are stakeholders in the ECB suddenly yeah. going, no, yeah, we're going to have 10 counties, it's going to be a lot better, because, you know, look at the top two counties at the moment, neither of those are test match grounds. No, exactly. But I think to sort of try and, you know, summarise Trevor Bayliss's time in charge of England, it was always about this World Cup that we've just won. And if you look at where we were at the last World Cup, the 2015 World Cup, which was pretty shameful, we didn't get out of the group stage of that, and did Andrew we? Andrew Strauss gave a part of the interview that he said he knew Trevor Bayliss was his man. He was watching an IPL game just after the World Cup. And it was it gone to a super over. It was absolute carnage everywhere. Everyone was jumping up and down like that. He said, and Trevor Bayliss just sat there, the most cool, calm, collected man. He felt that after Peter Moore's, they'd been very, very intense. He needed somebody more laid back and somebody more relaxed. And these things are cyclical, a bit like football as well. And you tend to have changes around Ashes series and around yeah. World Cups. And we've got two in one hit now. So. But he knew he was only going to the seat. He was never intending yeah. to stay on afterwards. You know, we've won a World Cup. Yeah, you can argue we've lost the Ashes as well. Um, I think he's been pretty decent for the English I, team. I he's think so. a very good brand of cricket. You know, it's frustrating at times in the Test match we haven't played better cricket. I think it? we'll see a swing back there. Where the focus was to on, on, on 50 over cricket, I think now we're going to see a move back to getting back to it, being number be one. It'll be interesting who, who we bring in, whether it's going to be... Um, Silverwood or Alex Stewart they seem to be the two front runners at yeah. the moment it'd be nice to see an Englishman back in charge of England though. Yeah. We'll, we'll say that and you think um, what Silvers did at Essex when yeah. we won uh, know, he's a top coach he, he went to England with my view that he was going to be the natural progression why would you take the best coach who, who was proven to be one of the best coaches in county cricket put him in the England setup if you're not getting him prepared to move him forward it's stupid if you don't do that there are always these these um projects, if you like, with English cricket. Um, and this one of winning the World Cup is the most recent. I watched that. Have you seen that film, The Edge? Yeah, brilliant. What an amazing film there is. I watched that this week. And that project then, it, it was from 2009 yeah. uh, to get England up to being the number one test side and in the world. You know, Flower and his time. And, and the methods. Session. That boot camp in Bavaria. Yeah, I think with hindsight, we <laughs> may not have done that again, but that's it. <laughs> Guys, what can I say? We are done for time. It just flies by, doesn't it, every week? Dimitri. Dimitri, thank you very much. Very yeah, Thank you for having me. Lord, Lord Archery joined us as well. What an interview that was. I don't know who we're going to have next week. We're going to have lots of the Essex players <laughs> and we'll have other stuff as well. But just remember, play straight, play great from everyone at 98 Not Out. Thanks for listening. 98 Not Out, sponsored by Shepherd Neen. Proud supporters of cricket in Essex.